0: relationsreviewpodcast.com Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast and have a great day. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners all across America and around the world. Now, according to the Pew Research Center, the U.S. Hispanic population reached a record 60.6 million in 2019. That's up 930,000 over the previous year and up from 50.7 million in 2010. And that's according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Additional information from Pew Research indicates that the U.S. population increased by 18.9 million and Hispanics accounted for more than 52% of this growth. So, as public relations people, how do we effectively and with cultural accuracy present our messages, products, and services to this large and important segment? Now, to answer that and other questions about successfully marketing to Hispanic communities is my guest today, Anthony Valise. He is president of EZO Marketing and Public Relations, and he joins me today from Portland, Oregon. Anthony, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, first, can you give us sort of an overview or a guide of the things that must be done and done successfully to market to the Hispanic population?
1: Absolutely. And first of all, thank you, Peter, for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here with everybody. The first one is um, pretty fundamental. It's like determine who your target audience. I think that when uh, people think of the Hispanic, Latino um, market, they, it's always in big picture, but you've really got to um, target in to um, understand who you're really targeting. Are you targeting younger or older demographics, first generation, you know, third, fifth generation, you know are you talking are you in a region where there's a lot more of people from mexican descent or cuban descent or puerto rican descent so that really um in oregon you know the majority of latinos are of mexican descent doesn't mean that you um forget about the rest of it but that is we're about 89 percent of that uh, demographic another another key area is obviously language is key but so is culture so um you know i think that when you um the Latino community. If you look at it, we're a bell curve, and you have a third of us that are only speak Spanish, a third of us that are bilingual, and um, through just generationally, a third of us are monolingual English. So, if you want to capture that Latinx market, you got to again understanding who your demographic is. Um, it may be very bilingual, or maybe just Spanish speaking, or both. So, um, so I think that's another area I would just also recommend. I think another big dot is that if you're targeting, marketing, and uh, communicating to the Hispanic community, do you have the infrastructure within your organizations to field those calls or answer social media posts or communicate with the... Um, I've seen many, many times people put advertising on or some type of PR campaign, and they provide a contact information. And then when people call that, or that member the person, um, no al espanol is really the answer, what they hear on the other line, <laughs> on the end of the call. So that can be problematic. And I think, you know, just again, the population is very young. So we have to think of beyond traditional uh, public relations campaigns. I think it really needs to be now a, um, a multimedia uh, news releases. Um, you know, I think there's opportunities to use a lot of Spanish language online bloggers and influencers out there. So I think it's, it's, it's definitely not, um, you're not only using traditional public relations Tactics, but also other ones, and um, and I think I would also just really encourage everybody. My last point is that you're not alone um, in embarking out in these in this um, in, you know looking at the Latino market. But I would definitely recommend that if this is your uh, kind of you know toe in the water, so to speak, I would definitely um, work with a experienced uh, Latino uh, public relation and marketing professional.
0: Uh, that to me sounds like the uh, most important thing. What have you found to be the uh, the most difficult part of getting people to understand what it takes to to successfully market uh, the Hispanic community?
1: Yeah, I think one of it is the big piece is it just you had alluded to just the size and the scale of the um, the Latino community, the Hispanic community in the United States and across the country that I think that, um, you know, it would be eclipsed as being the largest ethnic minority group in the United States. But if you look at the the investments that companies and organizations are making um, in in that market segment, it's not as equitable as you might think. So, um, in fact, there are some, whether it's the public or private sector companies or agencies that have not really even done it, it's kind of like a hit and miss. It's an add-on. So, I think that's Something huge that I think that people don't understand, and also again, I would just say, uh, Peter, that um, that we're just not a homogeneous group, and I think people seem to think that Hispanic this big umbrella will uh, cover all folks.
0: You know, one of the things that comes to me almost right away in terms of where the, your sort of knowledge is is important was with this uh, pandemic, where obviously all the state and local governments wanted to wanted to and needed to reach everybody. So that they could be aware of one, the social distancing and and those other sort of protocols, but also how to go about getting, uh, getting the necessary vaccinations. Because if you miscommunicate, you're going to perhaps miss a wide, a wide swath of uh, of the population that that needs to be uh, uh, to receive this protection. Were you engaged in any of those outreaches in your area?
1: Absolutely, I um, actually um, have a contract with the Oregon Health Authority. And specifically targeting the Latinx community. And what we did um, for starters, we targeted not only in Spanish, but for indigenous languages. People, again, the people think that it's all Spanish speaking, um, la- la- Latinos, but we do have indigenous Mesoamericans that live here from Mexico and Guatemala. And we also, our campaigns were multilingual. Uh, the next thing I would say is that the systems just are are not set up for people of color, especially if, um uh, Latino community in this in this respect because what's what was happening what's happened even to this day is that we're not getting current accurate real time information in the preferred language which we'll say in Spanish in this case and so when it comes to access opportunity resources the Latinx community has, has just been really kind of put back in the back of the line in most cases they don't even know that there's a line to get into mm-hmm. when it comes to like the vaccine so I think that's Tragic. Uh, that's just again um, shows the inequity of our country and and the and the work that um, all people of color are trying to to advocate for and fight for. But I do think that when it comes to communication, it's lagged behind, and it's never out at the same time. So when it comes, so I think that we're always like a step behind um, when it comes to this information. As you know, this um, pandemic and the the um, communication is critical, right? But I don't think systems, systems aren't set up to do that. And so that's that's very problematic for the Latino community.
0: So have you had the opportunity to reach out to the mayor or the governor or city council or elected officials because those are the people who can begin to make things happen, particularly at the mayoral level in the city and, and uh, county uh, uh, <laughs> officials as well, so that they can understand the implications of not getting it done right?
1: Absolutely. I'm really involved. I just served my eighth year on the State Board of Education, so I've got a little bit of a platform, but we, um, the state of Oregon has, uh, under Governor Kate Brown, started a racial justice council,
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: are addressing um, many issues related to the pandemic, and, uh, not only in the health, uh, but also the economic uh, recovery piece, many, many areas, right, social justice, you know, environmental justice, uh, many many aspects so we do have the ear of the governor um and you know and other um public public elected officials at the state county and local level but but it's a big push right <laughs> we're in it right now and it's like drinking water or a fire hose and and i think it's you know i think what we're finding is that our um our public sector governments whether state county or city are not do not have the uh, uh, cultural dna within the organization, which, again, has come to hurt communities of color, especially
0: the Latino one. One of the things that I have uh, learned, I guess, in just in looking in, into this sort of thing is how well and how quickly uh, the Hispanic population ad- adopts technology. So you know, online, uh, phones, computers, so forth and so on. Can you talk a little bit about how important it is to also use those outreach techniques to to get to, uh, effectively get to that population? Absolutely,
1: so today there's about 23.4% of the U.S. uh, millennial population is Latino. So we we are very young, we skew very young. And um, obviously, as we all know, the younger generation um, uses technology more than the older one, like Mm -hmm. I'm a generation. (laughs) Uh, Above that, uh, children that are in college and, um, and, and so Latinos are um, over-indexed in every single digital platform, whether it's surfing the web, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, we consume it. And, and I kind of chuckle at this because social media is, is perfect for for Latinos because we are very social, right? We're a very multi-generational type. We culture and community, and so we're always in, in contact with our with our loved ones, family, and friends, and so I think social media just fits the Latino community perfectly, and there's no end in sight. You know, we just um, are really engaged in all of these on um, social media platforms.
0: So, so, so what I'm learning from you or hearing right now is that those people who or organizations that really need to and want to penetrate and get in front of the community really need to engage all of these conduits, particularly digital side of it
1: absolutely you know and you know you talked about the COVID-19 and you know, social media has been you know in that respect a lifeline for the Latino community it's really interesting because I live in a Latino community a city called Woodburn Oregon and um, you know even the most humble among us have cell phones um, smartphones you know at least text right so I think that there's um, you know when you're looking at targeting Latino community that absolutely has to be, social media has to be a um, one of the tools that we're, um, so sort of speaking, you know, so that you can target the community. There are traditional, you know, mm-hmm. radio, TV, and print. I mean, not as much, but there are some publications out there. But I think, you know, where it's all trending, even for um, older Latinos with social media, especially Facebook.
0: One of the terms that has popped up lately that, at least for me, has been, uh, I believe it's transcreation, where it's, it's more to than just translating words. Can you sort of explain and help people understand what that means and why it's important?
1: Absolutely. Uh, that's a great question, Peter. So uh, transcreation is really taking a couple of things. It goes beyond translation, because there are times when I've seen translations like word for word and and either there's not a word that exists in Spanish, or it doesn't really communicate what needed to be communicated in the appropriate way. So what transcreation does, it takes the language, which is mainly Spanish, but it also takes the region. So for example, if you're like, I'm in the Northwest in Oregon, so again, many people on the West Coast are Mexican descent, but that might not be the case in other places in New York or, you know, Florida, or maybe on your neck in the woods, but uh, there might be more people, like I mentioned earlier, from Cuban descent, Puerto Rican descent, Dominican descent, or Central South American, right? Um, so, so I think that's what it takes: the language, the region, and the culture. Like, what are the the culture and nuances of where you live, and um, and it's different. Uh, you know, it's different. You know, as we know, there's. Um, People, we're all one United States, but depending on where you live, there's all of these cultural nuances. Mm-hmm. So it takes all those into account. But I think the most most important thing is that's that's the key, is that to, when you transcreate something, you're really not translating word for word. You're actually trying to convey the meaning uh, or the message. Mm-hmm. right? And again, there may not be those words that exist in Spanish. <laughs> so um, it's time to think about Because sometimes we have sayings in English that they just can't translate. Translator even transcribe, so you have to kind of make it uh, kind of a a little spin off what you're trying to say.
0: And you know wh- what that says to me as as I listen to you say that is that. Those people needing to have something translated into Spanish for a particular market, they need to sit down with the uh, let's say, well, for instance, like a person on your staff, so that your staff member can understand what it is that they're trying to say or mean or get or get across, rather than just translating word for word.
1: Exactly, and then another thing really interesting about just language is that there's some things that are just in English, right? That I know people try to say, well, we should try to say, but but really the way things are said, like COVID-19, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's it's COVID-19 probably all over the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are just, you know, interesting, um, there are aspects of this translation that it will only it will be in English, right? And um, so I think that's to keep in mind, but that's, that's really a lot smaller than the majority, really what the point is, is really just trying to communicate your message to your clients, potential clients.
0: Have you found any ongoing or, or the the biggest preconceived ideas or, or thoughts that uh, some of the people uh, non Hispanics have that you run into have about the Hispanic population?
1: Oh, absolutely. The one that comes to mind is that we're all farm workers, okay. we're agriculture workers. Again, in <laughs> Oregon is is known for agriculture, right? So they think we all are just all working the fields. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Um, that's absolutely um, what's true. Probably in the early days, 60s, you know, with the Cecil Chavez and Los Huerta farm worker movement, but, you know, a lot of us, obviously, through time have progressed and uh, were able to um, you know, get an education or start a business and move forward, and um, so I think that's the key. Yes, we advocate for our uh, non-citizens, farm workers, the least among us, but that's not who we all are either, so it's really interesting. Let me give you a funny example. Like, there was a potential client who owned a winery, you know, and the person who owned it ne- never could, didn't think about, you know, his employees as the people that were harvest, harvesting the grapes, right? Because that was his world. But I had to, um, I showed him some data that said, we're actually consuming, <laughs> the, you know, the grapes, the wine now, right? Mm-hmm. And that was just kind of an aha moment, right? So we not only are harvesting those grapes, we're actually drinking them and, you know, course <laughs> of wine, right? and so, um, and so, yeah, you know, it, it's little things like that. But it's really interesting because we we get stuck right in our perceptions, right? And um, and I think that what I do what I do see is that a lot of um, nonprofit organizations and private sector companies are missing a huge opportunity with the Latinx community, either as donors, you know, when it comes to um, nonprofits, or as obviously um, potential consumers mm-hmm. in the private sector.
0: You know it just sort of comes to mind I'm, as i as I listen to you because, uh, as you mentioned earlier, there's a huge diversity among the Hispanic population in its total, so perhaps in your area, have you had any sort of for lack of a better term learning sessions or learning seminars so that governments for instance can understand the diversity issue there and how to how to solve it and uh, work effectively to to penetrate that. Have you helped uh, the government or other organizations understand the, the vastness and the complexity of the Hispanic population?
1: Absolutely. Um, I actually founded last year because of COVID-19, the Oregon Latinx Leadership Network. And um, it is a collective of over 100 community-based organizations that are led by or serve the Latinx community here in Oregon, mm-hmm. and we use that as a platform to educate a lot of state all the state agencies, whether it's the Oregon Lottery, Department of Education, Oregon Health Authority, Oregon Housing and Community Services, Business Oregon, and really just try to bring the light of exactly what we've been talking about here: the, the rich diversity of our community, and that not everybody's stuck in poverty. That we do have people that are have kind of offended to the highest levels of government, higher levels of corporate, and that those are the people that we also need to focus on, right? Um, And that small businesses and whatnot. So absolutely, you know, I think, you know, I used to work at a small uh, shoe company here in in Oregon called Nike. (laughs) And, and, um, you know, they have a saying that says there is no finish line. And I really take that to heart because, you know, as you probably know, Peter, the work that we do is never ending mm-hmm. and we're always, you know, education is lifelong. So we're all, I'm always trying to do my best to educate those that, that, um, need, need, you know, need information to actually make, make, um, to be more of an inclusive society. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Anthony, you have provided a wealth of information in a short period of time. And is there anything that perhaps I overlooked that you think the listeners should know about successfully marketing, uh, to the Hispanic community?
1: Um, I think we've covered it all. I would just say that everybody out there, do not let fear and perfection stop progress when it comes to um, marketing to the Latino community. I can't tell you how many times people have just—they don't want to make a mistake, right? They don't want to offend anybody, mm-hmm. but then that—that that creates fear, right? And then that stops them from making an investment or you know moving forward. And I and I try to tell them and all of my clients is that, hey, I'm here with you, you know. <laughs> Nobody's perfect, but I think that the Latino community will appreciate you for uh, trying and I know sometimes some people hospital me, like mean you know, aren't forgiving, but I try to not so I think that's the big message, please do not let you trying to be perfection per- perfection, which we're all striving for or fear stop that progress because if not, then we never really will get to the point. And I think my last point, Peter is then um, you got to be you have to be intentional with this work. It can't be an add-on, which, you know, there's a lot of times that we take, which I do, and this is true, Mm -hmm. take an English campaign and transcreate it into a Spanish one or a Latin, Latino-focused one. Ideally, it would be better to start both from scratch working parallel, Mm -hmm. side-by-side, and complementing each other.
0: Oh, Good. Well, thank you so much. Um, my guest today has been Anthony Belize, president of uh, ESO Marketing and Public Relations in Portland, Oregon. That's ESO, but it's spelled I-Z-O. And I certainly want to thank Anthony for uh, giving us some uh, insight, uh, direction, and guidance into successfully marketing the Hispanic population. And again, if you'd like to uh, reach Anthony, uh, he's president of ESO Marketing and Public Relations in Portland, Oregon. And uh, to my listeners, thank you so much for listening. Look for you on the next edition of the Public Relations Review. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. This is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast, and she'll take you from there. And again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the program, please become a subscriber. Now, on to the podcast.